Greetings from Liverpool. Um, in the past 30 years, I've had the privilege of traveling all over the world, and I've had some eventful trips. And uh, one that comes to mind was um, 1982. We were traveling across land from Lusaka, Zambia, uh, across the Zambezi, overland. And it was quite a horrendous trip. Well, that all came flooding back to me <laughs> yesterday when I had riot police running alongside me. And uh, I heard on the news that you'd had quite a, an incident. Uh, you're all over the British news at the moment, by the way. And I just wondered whether I could invite you to a safer part of the country <laughs> if you'd like to move to Liverpool, where life is a lot more sedate than it is here. But it really is great to be here. And um, what time do you finish? What is your normal time? When we're done. About half twelve, is it? Yeah. Okay. And are you hoping to have communion as well? Okay, okay. Let's just pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we praise you this morning. We lift you up and we thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. We pray that your presence will continue to be with us and that your power and that your glory will be known in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now this gentleman here, could you please stand up? Yeah. Now we were having a conversation before the service uh, and it was about him building these motorbikes. And when we were talking, I had a picture. But I thought, oh, it's because he's talking about motorbikes. So I didn't pick up on it. And then Keith uh, dropped out this phrase while he was conducting the worship, and it was work in progress. And the picture that I saw, and, and the moment Keith mentioned that, I knew if this was for you. And I saw um, that there was a, a piece of, there was a piece of motorbike, and it was uh, or a part or whatever you call it, but it wasn't on this level. It was on another level. It looked it looked like a barn actually, the the thing, but I, I couldn't be sure about that. And I saw a part being taken down to be placed, presumably, in, in the motorbike. And the Lord was saying to me that, there's, that you're a work in progress, uh, but there's a part that the Lord really wants to place in you because the, the absence of this part is causing you not to completely function as God has planned for your life. So, Keith, could you just put your hand on him? Let me just pray for you. Is that all right, sir? Father, in the name of Jesus, I command that this part, uh, this uh, part of your purpose, your plan, your character, 
your glory, your calling, and your purpose on this man will be located into him. And those areas which he has yet to see animated and moved will be uh, come alive, and he will start to function in more of your power and more of your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Keith, I want you to carry on praying for him. Now, this lady here who's playing the piano, yeah? Uh, could you just please stand up? Uh, so, could you just go over to this lady? Um, as you're playing, and I was just, I was actually just waiting on the Lord at the time, and the Lord spoke to me and gave me this word, blocked. And I got this impression that there's a lot in you that is blocked from coming forth. I don't know whether it's practical or whatever, but I was going to just pray for you that that was, that was it wasn't, uh, um, I didn't sense it was sort of like your spirit was blocked. I, I sensed that um, something that God's put in you is being blocked from coming forth. Okay? So I'm going to just pray for you, is that all right? Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for this woman that you have called, that you have anointed. And in the name of Jesus, I unblock that uh, thing that is blocking her from becoming and being used uh, uh, to her full uh, potential. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. So I want you to just carry on praying for a couple of minutes. Now, if you've got your Bibles, turn to um, Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, I've got hundreds of Bibles in our house, all different versions. But this is the one with all the big writing in it, and I can see it better. But it's the authorized version, so I'll try and read it so that you can understand it, okay? I'm reading from Ephesians chapter 5, and I'm beginning at uh, 14. Wherefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, be not unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Don't be drunk with wine to access, but be filled with the Spirit. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. And it was this phrase that I believe the Lord wants me to speak to you about. I've been particularly asked to come along the line of the prophetic ministry. But uh, I just uh, felt the Lord wanted me to bring this to you. And it's um, verse 17. Don't be unwise, but understand what the will 
of the Lord is. You know, and uh, I believe that in this company of people today, God wants you to know your calling. He wants you to have a capacity to understand his will, to know what he's saying for your life, to understand uh, why he saved you, why he called you, uh, what he's doing in your life. And I find, uh, as I was uh, asking the Lord, why do you want to say this? And he said to me that he, if, if we can break open in you a capacity to understand the Lord's voice and how he's speaking to you, it will bring more confidence, more courage, more purpose, um, more um, ability to apprehend that which God has got for you. It will start, you see, where there's no vision or no understanding of God speaking, then people go into maintenance mode and then they go into sleep mode and, and some of them go out of the game altogether. And one of the things that can happen once God starts speaking to you, and you think, goodness me, I know what you're about now, Lord. I know what you're trying to do and what you're to say in, in me. And it inspires you to go after God in a fresh way, to look for him, to do more things than you can possibly imagine. Now, one of the things that people have a problem with is understanding the Lord's voice. You see, it's no use talking about the prophetic ministry if you have a struggle understanding the Lord speaking to you. In another passage, it says in, in Thessalonians, it said, understanding the will of the Lord concerning you. And there's one of my time, one of my areas in which I constantly need the Lord to speak to me is, is to hear his voice. Have I we went through a time in Africa where I, my faith was completely shaken and the, the area it was shaken in, I, I, I said to the Lord, Lord, this didn't happen, so therefore maybe I got it wrong. And if I got it wrong, how do I know I haven't got hundreds of other things wrong? And how do I know that when you're speaking, it's not me, uh, it, it, it's either me, the flesh, the devil. How, how can I understand your voice? And it's so important for you to be able to know inside your spirit, God's saying this. Because when you know God's saying something, you can go after it. When you see the ark of the Lord your God, go past, go after it. And that's what, you know, that's what motivates a, 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 a community of God's people or individuals. They see the ark of the Lord. They see the word of the Lord. They see God speaking in a fresh way. And all of a sudden, their lives come alive. They start to pray more earnestly, they start to open the Bible more, and all sorts of things start to explode because God is speaking again. And some people here, God this morning is going to speak, start speaking again, fresh things, uh, with a clearer purpose. Uh, as I say with you, God's got more for you 
You've got more than you think. You've undervalued God in you. And uh, if we can get that part working, something's going to take off that you didn't know was there. Praise the Lord. Aren't you glad you're on the front row? I can pick on you all the time now. Praise God. When, um, when I was uh, 18 years of age, I was doing what you... When, if you're an art student, you don't do A-levels. A you do a thing called foundation course. And it was... Um, and uh, in the summer holidays, I had friends in London, North London, and um, who I stayed with just for the summer holidays. And I got a job in a warehouse in North London. And um, I was staying on the floor of my friend's flat in Palmer's Green. And I was sharing it with a, a lad, let's call him Fred, from Newcastle. And Fred was there in the summer holidays because he was painting the fellowship house. Um, and so I remember one morning, um, Fred was a wonderful man, but he was very serious. He was probably about two years older than me, so he was probably 20, I was 18. And um, I remember going out to work. I think we started something like 8.30. So I was off out on the bus um, for about, let's say, 8 o'clock. I think it was 7.30. But as I was going out, I said to um, Bill, I'll see you tonight. So off I went and did a day's work. And around about 6.30 at night, I came home, and I said, have you had a great day, Bill? Bill, I've given it away now. His name was really Bill. <laughs> have you had a great day, Bill? He said, um, okay. I said, oh, all right, what have you done? He said, I've just sat here. I said, what, since I've been out, you've just sat here? He said, well, not exactly. I got dressed, he said. And I went to the uh, front gate of the house we were, we were living in. I got to the gate and I, did, and I asked the Lord whether to go left or right. And I wasn't sure, so I came back again. He walked to the gate. He wasn't sure whether the Lord wanted him to go that way or that way, so he spent the whole day sitting in the room, not knowing which direction he should come. I was absolutely astonished. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that many Christians get to a point in their lives where they get to a gate of wanting to know what the Lord is saying. Do I do this? Do I do that? Do I say this? Do I say that? Do I go there? Do I go that? And, and, and there's a sense where you're not sure, so what do you do? You go into paralysis. And there's many Christians who God has put a great calling and a word on their life, and they get to that gate, and they're like, Bill. So it's so important that we understand what the will of the Lord is, that we can identify his voice. 
I need to know this because when we came back from Africa, I'd actually uh, not lost my faith in God, but lost my faith in my ability to hear God. And I found myself running a church where everybody was looking at me for direction. And I said, God, how have I got myself in this position? I don't even know my right hand from my left. I wouldn't even know what you were, what breakfast I'm supposed to eat tomorrow. And I'm running this church and a whole team of people. I said, Lord, what, what am I going to do? And uh, so he showed me some principles to identify the Word of God. And I still use them today. The first one is this one. How do you know God is speaking? Well, in 1 John uh, chapter 2, verse 27, it says, You have an anointing, and the same anointing teaches you all things. In John's Gospel, it says, I have given you the spirit of truth. And the first principle in which you can start to understand what God's saying for you is the inward witness of the Holy Spirit. The inward witness of the Holy Spirit. When you gave your life to him, and he filled you with his Holy Spirit, he put inside you an alarm clock. Where if something's not right, the alarm will go off. You know, I do live in Liverpool, very rough area of Liverpool, and I've come from a, ver a, a very rough area of Liverpool, and uh, so I can think like a criminal. I know how criminals think. So when I bought this building for the church, guess what the first thing I did? Wasn't paint the doors. Wasn't renovate the building. The first thing I put in was an alarm system. <laughs> I thought, if anyone tries to break into this thing, all sorts of things are going to go off. And God has put in you an alarm system. An inward witness, which will just suddenly spring to life when God's not happy about something. There used to be um, an advert on the um, television. I can't remember what the advert was about, but I remember it was sort of like, uh, the Hare Krishnas came to the door, and it was a party or something. And, um, oh no, they were invited to a party in the advert, and they, and they, and they got to the door of the party, and the, and the fellow opened the door, and there were all these Hare Krishnas things, and, the, and in the advert it was going, eh, 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 eh. and you know, there should be something in you that just sort of, this is, this is not right, an inward witness. When I was, um, about the same time I met Bill, I met somebody else, let's call him Brian, and I hope I don't give his name away this time. 
And Brian's getting picked on a lot at the moment, isn't he, Brian? Um, and um, we were at, we were camping at the Keswick Convention. You know the big Keswick Evangelical Convention? Well, it was 19, must have been about 1971-72, and we were in a tent. And uh, there was this girl in our youth group. She was a very good friend of mine. Her name was Shirley, and that was her real name. And uh, I knew her very well. Now, I, I wasn't particularly attracted to Shirley, but everybody else was. And she was one of these, must have been one of these stunners, because all the guys with muscles and, you know, sports cars wanted to take her out. She had a list like this. Now, I had a friend who was staying with me in the tent, who'd never met Shirley, never spoken to Shirley. I'm calling him Brian. And... Uh, he was a little, let me put it this way, he's a little bit dysfunctional. And I'm about to go to sleep in this tent with Brian alongside me. I'm not saying you're dysfunctional, Brian. This is another Brian. Um, and um, as I'm about to go to sleep, he said, the Lord told me that I, I'm going to marry Shirley. I instantly... I said, you don't even know Shirley? He said, no, but the Lord's told me I'm going to marry Shirley. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to propose. I said, I spent till three in the morning trying to, trying to advise him. Well, Shirley wasn't going to go. He didn't have any muscles or sports cars. And she was a lovely Christian lady, by the way. Anyway, I, I, I was, it was a bit like last night. I was up till about 2 or 3 in the morning, but unlike today, I couldn't get up. I, was, I just slept in. By the time I woke up, Peter had done the deed. Peter had left the morning. <laughs> <laughs> He'd done the deed. He'd gone to Shirley. He said, hello, you don't know me, <laughs> but God's told me that uh, you've got to marry me. <laughs> so when he came back, he didn't look too happy. <laughs> I said, how did it go, Pete? He said, he said, oh. I said too that the Lord had told me that she had to marry me. And you know what she said? The Lord hasn't told me. Yes. See, well, Shirley understood the principle of the inward witness. And even when I'm speaking to you now, you should filter that. What is that? How does that correspond with the Lord, uh, the, that, that, that would that with which the Lord is the Spirit of God in me. You see, the Word of God and the prophetic Word should augment and underline what God is already speaking to you. What I've just said to you about this block thing, God is already speaking to you that there's more to come from you. And anything that is restricting what God is doing will be broken in the name of Jesus. 
Okay, the inward witness. Another one is this one. And it's Philippians 4 verse 7. That you should know the peace of God, which passes all understanding, which shall keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Many times we have to make decisions, and we don't, all of us, only see in part. And I tell the Lord, that, well, look, I'm, I have to make decisions. You know, the Bible says that in you, if you're indecisive, you'll achieve nothing and you'll receive nothing from God. So we have to, at points in our lives, make decisions. And some of those decisions might be the wrong ones. Now, how do you know that you've made the right decision or the wrong decision? And this is the clear. The first thing that you will lose is your peace. I don't know whether you've made a decision. It's the smartest decision you could possibly make. And you've made this decision and you're going to do this. And then all the way along the line, you think, get this nagging feeling. I don't have any peace about this. I've agreed to do some things with people. And then the moment of shaking the hand, I felt I've lost my peace. I'm thinking, goodness me. And, and, and sometimes, you know, I've tried to make the peace go away, the lack of peace go away. Oh, no, it is. And, you know, a sort of mental um, um, pumping myself, well, really, God is saying this, God, I'm but the peace. I haven't got peace. Just haven't got peace about this. It sounded right. At the time, it seemed the most sensible thing to do. But I haven't got peace about it. And I've actually, on occasion, had to go back to people and say, I'm sorry, but uh, I know we said this, but really, I've not been at peace about it. You know, if you've made decisions or you've got to that gate and you've gone, the right, you've gone left and you should have gone right and you, and you lose your peace, go back to the gate. A month after I had that dream I was telling the leaders about, uh, I was I just started in art college, and my friend said, "Oh, there's this fantastic preacher coming over. He's a fantastic." And this, and the Mary Whitehouse has got this something of light, whatever it was, right? And there's this fantastic evangelist. They eventually became a friend of mine. His name was Arthur Blessed. And um, and, and I, was, I, was, I was 18, he was 17, so, you know, we're just, we're just completely out of the game at those, in those days. And I'd come from such a weird background, so, you know, he said, should we go to London? I said, yeah, we'll go, let's get to the M6 and we'll hitch down. <laughs> so we get to the M6, and... Uh, we find that uh, we get to somewhere obscure place like Stafford Roundabout, you know, and we're stuck there for about four hours. Eventually, 
we get to London. What was that Mary Whitehouse's thing called? Festival, Festival of Light, that's it. Festival of Light o over. Arthur Blessed's gone home. We're stood with nowhere to stay or live. In, in, I don't know whether it was Waterloo Station or wherever we were. I said, well, look, Graham, what are we going to do now? We've missed the thing. Arthur's gone home. And we're stuck here with nowhere to sleep. He said, don't worry. Don't worry, he said. I know where Arthur will be staying tonight. <laughs> I said, oh, do you? He said, in fact, we might be able to pitch up. I said, well, where's that? He said, Bromley. I said, where's Bromley? <laughs> anyway, we get to Bromley. We find the place. It's the children of God commune. <laughs> you know, it's one of these sects where you forget that who your parents were and you just sell all your money. And anyway, um, I don't know this because I've only been saved six weeks. Children of God sounds Christian to me. It's almost like the Moonies, this community. Anyway, we, we go in, and sure enough, there's all these hippies being bussed in from Trafalgar Square. And I thought it was a bit funny, because they seemed to be sleeping together while we're waiting to... S anyway, I'm sitting there with Graham, thinking, oh, at least we might be able to get somewhere to sleep. No, Martha's not there, by the way. He's got mixed up. We're sitting there, and uh, I'm sitting there, and he said, Moses wants to see you. It's either Moses or Elijah. I thought, Moses? He said, oh yeah, when you join us, we change your name to a Bible name, and he's the big guy from, you know, who runs the whole thing, and he wanted to see you. The place had been busted by the police the night before. Uh, and uh, we're sitting there, and sure enough, it was either, let's call him Elijah, calls us in. And he says, oh, right, um, he said, if you join us, he said, you have to give us all your money. I didn't have much, so it wasn't a problem. <laughs> So, you give us all your money, and um, and uh, he, he said, uh, and basically, you leave. You, we don't believe that you should work. He said. He said, you just do Bible studies with us every day, and I think go out on the streets selling magazines. So when he said. I was already, already the peace of God. I wasn't at peace. But when he said, we don't believe in working, I happened to remember something I'd learnt in Sunday school when I was a kid. I said, didn't, didn't Paul somewhere in the Bible make tents or something? Oh, he said, oh yeah, he said, he said, you'd, you'd bang on there, he said. He said, but that's when he backslid. <laughs> 
Now you're going to meet all sorts of weird things and weird people. And the first thing that you'll know, my peace has gone about this. The peace of God. So first of all, the inward witness. Secondly, the peace of God. And the third one I wanted to talk to you about is uh, 2, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. In fact, if you look in all the Bible, all the epistles, 3 and 16, you'll find there's some fantastic verses, and this is one of them. 2 Timothy, did I say 1? 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Now, I had a situation when I was in Liverpool running the Baptist church, church not far from me. Um, the leader was very charismatic and uh, had quite a following. Uh, he, he left and went to America on a, a ministry trip and uh, left his wife running the church and she was running the church for him and then about four weeks later she gets a letter from him and the letter said this um, I'd just like you to know that um, I'd like a divorce because God's told me to marry someone else and I've found someone else. No, isn't it? I, did, I thought that didn't even stack up with the Bible. And you know, one of the things we need to be saying as Christians regularly is when we see all stuff coming out, professedly Christian, we need to sometimes say, where's that in the Bible? Where is that in the Bible? Oh no, it isn't in the Bible, it's a higher revelation, brother. You know when people say that to me, guess what goes off? The peace of God goes. And the inward witness starts banging around inside. You know, God generally, uh, Scripture isn't the only authority, but it, it, if something isn't in the Bible of a basic nature, then I think we should be asking questions. If someone gives prophetic words out and it's clearly adverse to Scripture, we, we need to say, where's that come from? It might not even be the devil, it might be wishful thinking. You know, it might be, Dave, I believe God called you to have five wives. You know, it's many, but I don't know. It might be, it might be, it might be. You know, you know, we can project things. That we, not that I want five. I'm happy with the one I've got, by the way. But you know, is it is, is it consistent with Scripture? When I was um, in 1979, I was working. Uh, full-time in uh, a house church and um, I was serving the church and they gave me this room and uh, they said look you need to wallpaper it yourself do you remember chip paper everywhere in the 70s was chip paper anyone got chip paper still there? <laughs> needs ministry doesn't it <laughs> right and um, well it was my first 
my first um, uh, experience of wallpapering. So I did all the painting and got to the wallpapering. And I remember my dad, who was a painter and decorator, said, you need, always need a plumb line saw. On your first run, get a string with a bit of lead on the bottom and make sure it's straight. Chip paper. There's no pattern. And anyway, it, it looks straight. I thought, I'll judge it. So I'll put the first one up. By the time we get to the end of the wall, they're on 45 degree angles. <laughs> yeah, the Lord has given us a plumb line to test the word by scripture. So if someone like Dave Latham comes along and makes some revolutionary statement that you didn't know was in the Bible because it actually isn't there, you go, get that plumb line scripture. Where does that fit? Dave's saying that. The word of God's saying that. And they're actually like that. The other way in which you can know the word of God and the Lord has spoken to us, is um, the prophetic word. In 1 Timothy 1, 18, it says, Wage a good warfare by the prophecies that went before you. It's great to, you know, I've just given two prophetic words here. There are other ways of, of, of God speaking. But it's great when God speaks to you. I remember... Um, once I was, we were in a meeting, we weren't in a good place with God. I think it's important for me to say that. We weren't in a good place with God. I had a stinking attitude. I was upset about something. I didn't really want to be in the meeting. I didn't feel I was fit to be in the meeting. I don't know whether you ever get like that. And I'm sitting there, this is 1982, and as we're sitting there, the guy gets up, Sue's sitting next to me, and he says, well, I'm going to read from, I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 12. And of course it starts off, and Abraham left his family, left his country, and went uh, to to a land that he didn't know where he would go. The moment he, they read that scripture out, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and Sue independently. We looked at each other and we knew that we had to leave England and become missionaries at the earliest possible convenience. So much so, within a week, I'd handed my notice in and my job. We didn't even know where we were going. It didn't occur to me to ask that question until six months later, when I was actually in Africa. I thought, what on earth have I done? I've left my job and everything down here. But sometimes God will directly speak a prophetic word. 
And you know, God's speaking to me. And the amazing thing was, I didn't say anything to Sue. She looked at me, I looked at her, and we knew instantly that we had to go. And we didn't have any missionary society. We didn't know what we were going. We were just like Abraham. We just got on a plane. You see, this is the danger of hanging around with me. You could end up in children of God communes on a plane, not knowing where you're going. Or riot police in the East End of London. <laughs> But God, be, this is why you need to assemble together. Because God's going to drop the word. He's going to speak to you. And there'll be points where you'll nearly fall off your seat because you know he's speaking to you. And I'll just finish with this one. Particularly when I came back from Africa... And I was just in bits. I was still able to speak. Uh, but I didn't know where I was going. I was like Bill at that gate. I really wanted to just sit in the room of safety. I didn't want to make a move anywhere. I'd lost complete confidence in understanding God. I'm running this church. I don't even know my right hand from my left. I don't know whether my thoughts are my, the flesh, the spirit, yourself, the devil, the Lord. I've lost it. I've completely lost it. And everybody's looking to me. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? How am I going to be able to function? Because all these... And this is what the Lord spoke to me. And it was Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14. In the multitude of counsellors, there's safety. Now, I took over a Baptist church. I was the pastor. You know, I was the one, they stuck on the mantelpiece, who pronounced the words of the Lord from the front for everybody. But when I read this, I thought, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to form a team ministry. And even if I get it wrong, the other guys are going to speak in and help me out. That's exactly what I did. It ended in months. Some people called it a revival. God just swept through that church. And all the time that people were being saved and the church was growing and, and vibrance and life was just pumped. All through that period, I was still in the condition where I didn't actually, wasn't quite sure. But the Lord got me through because he put good people around me. And he gave me a spirit to listen to my team, to listen to my uh, the people that God had put around me. And I would the way the, way the meetings would go, I'd be saying, I'd say, uh, look, I feel I think God's saying this, but you know me, I might be in space. And they would say. Dave, that is definitely what God's saying. You better get moving on that. But we might be able to, we might, we might have to customise it here and change that and do this. I'll tell you what, I'd make a statement. They push it. 
It was amazing. These are the ways, if you want to move and understand what the will of the Lord is and start to make progress, uh, is to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that inward witness comes. So that, you know, that, that, you know, if all the spirits are speaking, there's something in you that registers and kicks off. And the first thing you lose is your peace if you make the wrong decision. The other thing is, is the Bible. If it's not in there, if it's not here, then you really need to be saying, where is it? Now, there's some things in here it doesn't tell you. It doesn't tell you whether you should wear jeans or trousers. <laughs> okay. But in major issues, major principles, if it's not in there, you need to be asking the question, you need to judge prophecy. Because the stuff coming through the Christian church, and we, we watch the God channel, we've got our favourites. Sue's favourite is T.D. Jakes. Mine is Joyce Mayer. Okay, we have our little favourites. But there's so much rubbish on there. If you want God to bless your life, send me a cheque for 1,400 quid. And the sending it. <laughs> Some people tell me things and I'm thinking, have you got a brain? <laughs> Convene together and God will speak through each one of you to each other. And you know, if you, you lose your confidence, and you hit things and you, you go through seasons of disappointment where things don't happen. And you don't know, you can't judge the day from the night. Surround yourself by counsellors. Go to people like Keith or Tim or Brian or whatever your leaders are and say, Keith, I feel God saying this to me, what do you think? And don't be like some of the friends I've got. If if Tim doesn't give them the answer they want, they come to me. He say, "Oh no, I'm, I'm not talking to Keith. I'm going to a nice elder. He'll <laughs> <laughs> say what I want to hear." Let's just could we just uh, worship the Lord with a very simple song? What I felt the Lord say to me here was two things. Um, there are people here, and the reason you can't move forward, you've either lost your confidence, or there's, there's fear. I was sharing this with the elders. It may be that there are people here. You're afraid uh, that you'll either get it wrong or you're fearful. You haven't got much boldness or courage. And God wants you to be incisive and he wants you to be decisive. 
And uh, I want to pray for you that a spirit will come upon you from the Holy Spirit that will just cause you to lay hold of what God has got for you and take out the spirit of fear, spirit of embarrassment, fear fear of the face of men, so that you can become all that God wants you to be. So if that helps you, just come forward and we'll pray for you. And um, and let's see what God wants to do. I, I, my apologies for the time. Uh, I've tried to be as quick as I can. So let's just worship the Lord. And as we do worship the Lord with this song, if you feel that you'd like prayer, I'm going to pray for a deeper portion of the Holy Spirit to come upon you. Spirit of faith, Wesley said, come down, reveal the things of God and make the Godhead known. Spirit of faith, spirit of courage. Can I just add it's just very brief that just as Dave shared, he's shared from his heart and some testimony that's been from his weakness. Um, and I just feel that some of the things that he shared may well have touched people deeply. And that if you identify with some of the things, like I didn't know whether or not to go right or left, so you know, and then you said about. I lost confidence. But there's lots of things that he shared. I found myself in this meeting and my attitude was completely off the wall. I just feel um, to come and ask for prayer. Okay. Shall we stand up to worship the Lord? If you feel that you'd like prayer, particularly also want to pray for anyone who's sick, if you do not know Jesus as your Savior, come out. I think, suspect you do. But I particularly want to pray for a spirit of faith to come upon people to become all that they have been called to be. 